0: Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan.
1: Hi Carrie, welcome back.
0: Hi Ken, thanks for having me.
1: Sure, it's great to have you here. Today we're going to talk about money and all things finance related to running a practice. The goal oh, being first, yeah, the goal being to have a viable um going concern so that you can provide good quality clinical uh care to your clients and patients and uh, in order to do that you have to know how to run a business and Mm -hmm. we've talked in other podcasts about um different angles on that but today we're going to talk about how does this actually work with the money coming in and going out and to get very specific with the mechanics of it, um, when I was in training, I um, was on a salary basis. And I think at the very beginning, like uh, in orientation, you just gave them your checking account um, number and the money just showed up magically yeah. at the yeah. end of the month or on the first of the month. And that was the extent of how much I thought about it. Um mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different when you're running a private practice and it's very workable, but it just requires a little bit of setup. Um, mm-hmm. So we should be thinking about uh, how do you like, actually take the money in um, and how do you go about doing that in a way that um, works for your practice and works for your patients and clients and represents how you wanna run a practice that is both taking care of people and is also a business, and how do you reconcile those uh, those two, and then um, what should you do with the money when it comes in, and then how do you keep track of all of it? So that's what we're going to talk about today, and we'll have a s- a special topic at the end on dealing with not money, i.e. when people don't pay, and how to handle that. Yeah. So uh, let's dive in. Um, there's three main ways I, uh, that come to mind for me to get paid. Uh, one would be cash, one would be people writing checks, and the third would be via credit card. I mm-hmm. think in the old days, checks were how it was done, typically, and mm-hmm. of course with checks, um, you what's on the check is what goes in the account. Um, There's no fees deducted like there are for credit cards. On the flip side, with checks, you have to actually deposit them, (laughs) which used to be more painful. Uh, You'd actually have to go to the bank and either Mm -hmm. stand there at the ATM or go to the teller. and So you were paying with your time, just in terms of depositing checks. Um, Mm -hmm. And on the... I guess another consideration is then it it was up to the patient or client to write you a check. And sometimes they do that right on time and sometimes they don't. And so that can be challenging. Of course, you can bring that into the therapy and say, this is mm-hmm. good material for us to process. Uh, right. But you there's lots of good material to process in therapy as well. And that may not be what you want to be talking about or what they want to be talking about, but it has to be dealt with. So then there's credit cards, which Mm -hmm. I feel like nowadays, it's everything is paid via credit card or almost everything. So it's really commonplace outside of therapy, um, just in general, in life and in the um, healthcare and medical related fields, so much is paid by credit Mm -hmm. cards. So I think when Mm -hmm. maybe 10 years ago, it seemed maybe a little weird, like paying Mm -hmm. for your therapy or your med check with a credit card, but my sense is it's not as big of a deal now. Um, It just doesn't have that weird factor, but it does cost the clinician money. They don't collect everything uh, that they're billing. On the flip side, they are not spending the time collecting yeah so i'm curious in your practice uh do you find that your clients have a particular preference to pay by credit card or check or cash or how does that work for you
0: yeah i find that most uh want to pay by credit card it's the most convenient especially if you can set it up in such a way that it's kind of a one something that's uh A process that they go through one time, like in the first session, they might give you their credit card information. And then from then on, you just kind of automatically charge them and they don't have to worry about it and they don't have to remember. So I do feel like there's a lot of value and the convenience for the client as well as for the therapist. Um and yes, it does come at a cost, a certain percentage um, in credit card fees, and I think. It really is personal preference, but also it depends on your business model, if that's a cost that you feel you can take on or if it is worth the, um, you know, if it's worth the the fees. Um, there, I, I believe there are some other options that honestly, I know a little bit less about and there might be some HIPAA uh, uh, violations. Um Uh, but one that I believe is made, it's an app, I believe that is made for therapists and I I don't use it. So I don't know that much about it, but it, it, I think there are more and more apps out there like this that do cut back on the credit card fees and it, it, and it's HIPAA compliant. Um, so there are possibly some other ways to get paid that are convenient, and use modern technology like apps um, and that, yeah, that clients can use. I just, I I can throw out a name, but I don't know that much about it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting with credit cards, you don't have to worry about HIPAA as much. There is an exception in HIPAA for financial transactions, because otherwise, essentially, nobody would ever, no bank would ever be able to run any healthcare related transaction. Because there's always a name and a billing party. So it it just, the system would fall apart. So there is a curve out in HIPAA for it. On the flip side with credit cards, you then have to think about PCI compliance, which is the credit card uh, industry's way of protecting credit card data. And so it's really important as a practice that you think about what your policies are going to be for who is going to, enter that credit card uh, number, it, whether it's in an app or integrated within the EMR or just um, you know run in a standalone kind of way. And I highly recommend that the patient or client enter the credit card and that the clinician as a practice policy never enters the credit card number um, because then the PCI standard is the the burden on the clinician and on the practice is reduced like 98% just by that one small detail, Mm -hmm. but it's a really big detail for the credit card industry because uh, they know that there isn't somebody else um, getting in the way and um, having access to the credit card. And that's what they're really protecting is that credit card number. So, so that is something to think about with, setting up credit cards, and ideally, whatever merchant or whatever system you're using, you you are going to have to attest yearly to being PCI compliant. And if you have a system that uh, works well for you, and that makes that process go really quickly, um, that's great. Sometimes in that first year, it takes a little time to go through the, the questionnaire because you've never done this before. But then in the following years, it's just, has anything changed? No okay, submit. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a a minor point to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so the other thing to think about with the cost of credit cards that comes to mind is if you don't take credit cards and you have a patient or client who ends up never paying their bill, how much does that cost you? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you'd have to crunch your own numbers and see um, that that does happen. And so we can come back to that a little bit later. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how do you actually uh, bill your clientele. Um, let's let's give a few different scenarios. One is standard weekly therapy client. One is somebody you're seeing for therapy, but just um, a, as needed or every other week or just anything not weekly. And then for med checks. Um, so... Mm-hmm. I, I'll speak to the metric. Why don't you start with your weekly clients? How often do you bill them?
0: Yeah, I require payment at the time of session. Um, that's my policy. Um, I prefer, um, you know, from a cash flow perspective on the business side, but also. Um, uh it also eliminates the need for me to come up with a system of to remember to, to bill clients or send invoices. I like to just have everything done day of. Um, it used to be in person <laughs> right then and there we, we might exchange you know we might do the the fee exchange now it's all done you know remotely and I have credit cards on file. Um, so I require weekly um, payments. Of course, I'm open. <laughs> There's always exceptions, or if for whatever reason, a credit card is expired or something like that. Like, I it's okay to, from a clinical perspective, or you know, to for there to be exceptions. But I personally prefer a weekly um, cadence with that kind of stuff, less to remember for for me mm-hmm. for the therapist. Um,
1: I so at be the curious. end, I. I was just curious at the end of the day do you run all the transactions at once or um is it while the client is in the office or
0: now as remote as a remote therapist since I'm only working over video um it's at the end of the day it used to be in the session with the client they would actually hand me a credit card and I would swipe it but now I have a whole different system that's all um I don't use the swiping machine. Um, But so now it's just at the end of the day. Um, And, but I do know of therapists who do, um, who do accept payments monthly. Like they send out an invoice and then a client might send that, you know, then they might either run it through a credit card or a client would send them a check. So I would be curious to hear what you do or what your experience has been with,
1: Sure. So the way I do it is if it's a med check or it's just somebody I'm seeing for therapy, but not on a particularly regular basis, not not weekly. Uh, I typically, run those um, soon after the session. Their credit card is already on file, so I tend to batch them and just do them all in a in a bunch. I just look at the accounts receivables and I can run the credit card right from there. Um, um, But um, there's a a feature that um, we use that's called um, auto pay. And so if you create an invoice and you set an auto pay day, then the system actually is now running the credit cards automatically. So that's uh, even nicer because I don't need to do anything and it gets uh, the job done and I get notified if it has been successful or not, uh, on Mm -hmm. that day. So Mm -hmm. that's where my practice has gone lately. If it's a weekly therapy, uh, patient, I tend to bill them once a month because Mm. it's fine. Uh, I don't, even with the, Auto pay feature. Uh, each time you run a credit card, there's a small fee just for the act of running it, mm-hmm. uh, and but it's tiny. It's just you know sense. That's not the main reason. It's more just simplification so that somebody gets used to just paying once a month or having it automatically charged once a month instead of weekly. But I could see either, and I I would be curious uh, in the community what percentage of therapists are billing monthly versus weekly. I would guess there's a, a fair number of both camps. And mm-hmm. you could make good arguments in either direction for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. I um, even before being remote, um I hardly ever met with anyone who wanted to pay by check. Um yeah. first of all, it uses like session time. People would like you know, fiddle in their purse looking for the checkbook (laughs) and, you know, write out and I'm just sitting there and it's like, tick, 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 you know, I hate to use session time for that. Uh, so that's one component. Um, and, um, yeah, cash did not come up. Um, so it was mostly being able to have the ability to accept credit cards was, um, At that time, not a lot of people were doing it. So I I felt like it was a marketing advantage for my practice. But now so many people do it. It's just expected that you uh, take credit cards. The other thing that's nice about taking credit cards is that um, a a fair number of my patients have HSAs or FSAs through Mm -hmm. their work and they get a debit or some sort of card to use with it. And so being able to accept that makes their administrative burden significantly less in terms of they yeah. don't have to um, file for reimbursement um, the same way as if they wrote me a check from that account or from their own personal account. So, okay, so this makes sense. So somehow or another, um, the, the money comes in, either you're going to the bank or taking pictures of your checks and sending them mm-hmm. in through your mobile deposit, or the you run the credit card or the credit cards automatically run. And in your business checking account, the money appears. So I guess we should um, go back a step and say, you need to set up a business checking account. And um, they are I don't think they're that complicated. It's just a checking mm-hmm. account associated mm-hmm. with your business's tax ID. So maybe we Mm -hmm. should go back first step and say you should set up a tax ID first. Uh, And that takes about one minute. And so uh, if anyone's wondering, go to the, you can just Google IRS, uh, create my own tax ID for my business. And it will take you right to the IRS page. And it is a few steps. And you should never be using your social security number to bill your patients or clients for obvious identity theft uh, concerns. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you're a solo practitioner, i.e. you're not doing any special paperwork to incorporate or become an LLC, if your state allows it, get an EIN, employer identification number. It's your business's tax ID. And you take that, the IRS Mm -hmm. will auto-generate a PDF for you in five seconds that has your new number. And then you go to your bank And you say, I'd like to open up a business checking account. And here's my EIN number. Mm -hmm. And the reason you should do this and not just have money come into your personal checking account is it's a mess if it goes into Mm -hmm. your personal checking account. Because if you ever get audited or you just uh, need to go to a bank to get a loan or for your accountant for taxes at the end of the year, you really Mm -hmm. don't want all of that information being mixed. It will take you so much time to unmix it. You might as well just do it right from the beginning. Okay. So you got your tax ID you got your business checking account and you, um, have you set up your merchant account to deposit into your business checking account. And I guess you should say you should set up a merchant account if you want to accept credit cards and, You can do that through the app, uh, various third-party apps, through EMRs, um, or a standalone solution. Okay, Mm -hmm. but however you're going to do it, you link it to your checking account, and then the money comes in. However, that does not mean all that money then goes out. So let's talk about what comes first before um, being able to access that money. Um, So... This partially depends if you're a solo proprietorship or uh, if you're, let's say, a corporation or LLC. But first thing that comes to my mind is paying taxes. So I'm curious. Tell me how you uh, pay your business taxes.
0: Um, Well my process is that i put aside a certain percentage of my income and save that so i also should say i have a business savings account as well as oh, a business uh-huh. checking account um and i you know we i also have an accountant that helps me figure this out and Um, I think just depending on how complicated your taxes are and how you file, it could be really useful to have an accountant. Some people can all. I think you can also figure this out in other ways um, or through other means. Uh, I have an accountant who tells me about how much I should be putting aside um, each or what percentage of, of my income I should be putting aside. And I do that. So I put it anything that's in anytime I'm getting ready to pay myself, whatever is in there in the checking account. I do the math and I put aside a certain percentage of that, put it in my savings, and that will later go toward paying quarterly taxes. Um, and uh, that's basically money that I just—it's as if it's—it's not—it doesn't belong to me. <laughs> it belongs to to the state and and the federal government. So. Um, that's how I pr- uh, keep track. Make sure I have funds for taxes. Do you, does that align with yeah. me, with you?
1: Yeah. And how do you actually pay your tax? How does it get out of your savings account and over to the government? I'm curious. Uh,
0: well, this is where it's helpful for me to have an accountant who uh, you know sends me the information with what my estimated quarterly payments are. Um, and along with that links to pay the, I'm in California. So to pay California taxes as well as federal taxes. And then I literally online, I never, I do everything online. I click these links and I follow the guide. It's really straightforward. Um, and at the end of all of that, I type in the account information, the savings account information that then uh, you know, then the money is taken out of the savings account by, um, you know, either the IRS or, um, the, or California. Um, and it's all electronic and actually really quick and easy, especially once you've done it once and you'll do this, if you pay quarterlies, you'll do this four times a year. So you get familiar with the process.
1: Yeah. So there's, um, the IRS runs a site called EFTPS. I think that's what you're referring to. And that's how you can uh, tell the IRS how much to extract from your checking or savings account. And you can set that up to be automatically done quarterly, or each quarter you can go in and put in a unique amount. And uh, same in California, the state um, franchise tax board has a similar kind of thing. And uh, most states, I presume, try to make it easy for them to get their money. Yeah. Um, so so that is as a solo practitioner, because you are um, at the end of the year filling out a Schedule C under taxes. And so you need to report how much did you pay in estimated taxes throughout the year. And if you didn't pay your estimated taxes, two things happen. One, you have a big tax bill. And second is that you get penalties and fines because the government is expecting that you will pay as the money comes in. And for solo practitioners, that's quarterly. Um, And with the one caveat that um, in the second quarter, your estimated tax payment is due before the end of the quarter. And that's purely so the government can have the money faster.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so that's as a solo practitioner uh, my practice is structured as a corporation so it's slightly different um, as in a corporation I'm the employee of the corporation as well as the owner and so I have to uh, run payroll for myself which is a weird mm-hmm. concept and mm-hmm. so I use a payroll service and they I tell them how much Uh, to pay me and to pay my assistant based on uh, the hours that we've worked that month. And then the payroll service automatically files all the tax forms that need to be done for corporation. And it is not cheap, that service, but it is so worth it because I have less than no interest in filling out monthly tax Forms for the state and the government, and they just do it with you know a few clicks, and so in that sense, because I'm paying myself monthly, taxes are being automatically withheld monthly, mm-hmm. and so a portion of the money comes out of the business checking account and goes straight to the government automatically, and then a portion goes into personal checking account, and so that's how the process works for a corporation wow. or that kind of structure. Cool um okay so you've paid your taxes but Mm -hmm. before you do that uh you also have to think about your business expenses and how are you going to pay those so i'm curious how do you pay your business expenses
0: um it it has changed over time so earlier on i was probably more organized with it and now a little bit less so so early on, and I think this is a good idea, especially getting started, I think it's good to have it written down somewhere what your monthly expenses are. So that might include rent, internet, um, any subscriptions like Psychology Today, Um uh, water surface. If you have that in your office, anything you could think of, um, have that written out, and whatever that totals up to be, what, you know, before I would pay myself, I would make sure to um, keep that amount um, in my checking account because off a lot of times too with with those monthly payments, it kind of just gets taken. You set up automatic payment at some point, and things get taken from your checking account, so uh, you always want to make sure that you have that money there. Um, and so, accounting for that, um, I would I, I would then whatever is left after that, I would pay myself with. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say too before I pay myself is um, I also put aside every time I go to pay myself, I put aside um, extra money on top of what I'm putting aside for taxes on top of what I'm putting aside for um, monthly expenses. I also just put aside extra that will eventually go toward um, a retirement fund that I contribute to at the end, at the end of each or, you know, at, April 15th, I get the end of each tax season. Um, and that's something that you do have to think about, especially if you're a sole proprietor, um, starting to contribute to retirement. And so um I I save extra money every month for that, just out of habit. Um, if for some reason I really needed cash for some some business expense, like maybe there was an extra um a training that I wanted to go to or something like that, you know, it's not urgent, but I try to make it a habit to save for retirement. Um, So after I put aside money for all those things, then what's left goes into my personal checking account, um, which is just simple. Since my business and my personal account are all through the same bank, it's just a simple uh, transfer. Um, And I do that for me. I do that once a month. I know some people who do that once a week. Um, that just is too much math for me to, like, it, I, it's too quick of a pace. So I like to do that monthly. Um, and that's how eventually I end up seeing the, the cash in, in my personal checking.
1: Okay. Um, so that brought up a couple of thoughts. One is I think, uh, retirement is a good podcast for us to be thinking about yeah. and how to, yeah. how to think that through, uh, yeah. but a little out of scope for today uh um, yeah. it's a it's a great topic to think about Though, um second is a business credit card uh mm-hmm. i think just um oh. worth mentioning that probably easiest to uh, pay any recurring bills you have um on the business credit card and again keep don't put it on your personal credit card because it is a mess if you get audited mm-hmm. or your accountant is needs to see your expenses at the end of the year. And if it's your personal and your business expenses combined, it's just asking for um, a lot of time to be wasted. So Mm -hmm. set up a business um, credit card that is automatically paid from your business checking account and Mm -hmm. everything will be in a nice package. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, something's like a rent hard to pay through a credit card. So, for those kind of expenses, uh, most banks offer like online bill pay, and mm-hmm. you do that from your business checking account again, so you can keep everything in the same place. Okay. Um, okay so going back to my scenario, I, I went a little bit out of order. I don't pay, I don't run payroll on myself until I've paid all my business expenses, because I better make mm-hmm. sure they're paid. Mm-hmm. Then I run payroll. And a big chunk of that goes to the government first, and then I get the scraps that are left over. Okay. Uh, we should also, uh, going back to the budget that you are um, talking about, I think it's worthwhile to have both a monthly and an annual budget because there are some annual expenses that um, are uh, usually bigger than your standard monthly expenses. Uh, what comes to mind for me is... Um, as a corporation, the state of California has a minimum um, a payment that's owed, um, regardless, just for the joy of running a corporation. And so I have to set aside for that. Um, your license professional license renewal. For me, it's mm-hmm. every two years. And then I have to renew my DEA certification every three years. And then any professional organizations that you're a part of like the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry or the American Psychiatric Association. I'm curious, um, what kind of annual expenses do you have?
0: Yeah, I think it's um, the uh, liability insurance. Yes. And, um, and then I think similar to every two years, you have to renew your license, um, which is, a big expense um and and yeah any memberships like american psychological association i think that's those are the top ones that come to mind
1: okay and then i think um then there's kind of the not quite one-offs but like going to a conference for example um that could be very expensive
0: but even doing
1: CME or CEUs online, uh, they can mm-hmm. get yeah. like, and they add up depending on how many you need to do. And so you should have a budget for that as well. Yeah. Um, in addition to your monthly, you know, rent and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That way, on a yearly basis, I mean, I guess some people would put aside one twelfth of those expenses every month into their savings. That's one way to do it, mm-hmm. or they just know that. Um in some months of the year your pay is gonna go down because you gotta pay those business expenses first.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Right.
1: So um I think we should talk a little bit about how do you keep track of all of this? And what system do you use? Um, mm-hmm. you know, one is how do you know how well your business is doing? Um, how do you mm-hmm. generate those kind mm-hmm. of reports? Um, yep at the end of the year, when your account says, great, send me your, send me what you got. What do you send? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it sounds good. Great. Take it from here. But what do you, you have to send them something. Uh, so yeah. I'm curious what your process is, Carrie, what do you send?
0: Yeah, I okay. use QuickBooks. So that's another um, monthly expense that I have to pay. Um, and it through QuickBooks is how I can track, you know, my business expenses and sort, you know, sort that for my accountant. Um, I do have to confess that this is an area that I find confusing and stressful and where is something that I like to pay, like this is, I would choose to pay someone to help me here. And it's for me, that's actually more budget friendly than spending the time. So I also actually have a bookkeeper who helps Um, reconcile my QuickBooks to make sure that everything is, um, you know, looks, looks the way that my accountant needs it to, to make sense of my books. Um, As you can see, this is why I hire someone to help me. And at the end of all of that, the end of every year, uh, my accountant gets what gets a report called a profit and loss. And that's how, um, she can figure out uh, how, what was my gross income? What were the business expenses that were deductible and not deductible? What is my net income after all of that? And what's my taxable income? So um, it is, so I keep track of all that through QuickBooks, but I do have help and I recommend it for someone. It's actually not a huge expense and it saves me a lot of time. Because um, to me, this kind of stuff can, when it comes down to the to all the things there are to possibly know, it's like speaking a foreign language. Um, so I do the best that I can, keeping track of things and sorting things in QuickBooks. But then at the end of it all, I have someone look it over for me. That How do you do I, that?
1: I think a lot of people do. Well, the way I did it when I first started out was I actually hired a QuickBooks expert to come train me. I realized (laughs) after how many years of being in school, um, I had no clue how to do any of this. And they, it was the first time that I felt like I was back in middle school. (laughs) They would be (laughs) like, okay, now Ken, pretend you got this amount of money and this expense, go into QuickBooks and enter it. And I'd be like, did I do it right? And they're like, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I learned through trial and error. So that first year I was in practice, I did have the QuickBooks person um, look over what I was doing and <laughs> tell me how I was screwing up. And then I figured it out <laughs> from there. Um, yeah. And as a side note, this is something that for uh, Luminello we're looking to build long term. So that way, um, all of the data is already within the within your practice, and so we'll do it for you, uh, or at least do as much of it as we can, but uh, that's down the road. Um, so f- yeah, I um, use QuickBooks, and I reconcile it with my checking account every few days. So that way, nothing gets out of line, because when I started out, I was like, ugh, reconciliation. Boring. Could care less. And I would go months, and then it would be, like, totally not matching. And I would stare at the screen like a deer in headlights going, Mm -hmm. I really should have not waited this long. And it would be a painful process to figure out what was entered twice or what wasn't entered. And now I just do it every few days, and my bank has a way to send that info directly into QuickBooks. And so I can like see it instantly. Wow. And then it's so I spend like probably two minutes on this every three days, as opposed to like wow. a day and a half on it on a weekend. Yeah. You know, the monthly, the way I was doing it before. Uh, and then at the end of the year, for the accountant free, since I run a corporation, I have to give them a profit loss, a balance sheet, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. general ledger. Um, and um, and the reconciliation to prove that I've done it. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because the accountant um, is going off that the data you're giving them. They're not auditing right. you. And right. they want to know they're working with data that is clean. Um, exactly. They don't want to put themselves in a position where they're going to get accused of um, saying, well, you prepared a tax return and you didn't pay the government enough. So right, uh, right. it's in their interest to make sure your data is clean, as well as your own interest.
0: Exactly, okay. yeah.
1: Well, um, I think we have taken the this one uh, as far <laughs> as we've probably got. Let's say for a different pocket. I'm sorry, earlier on I teased yeah. uh, <laughs> with dealing with patients and clients who don't pay, but I think we should save that for another um podcast. And we can also just talk about how do you get paid more while you're at it yeah. and um, yeah, how to think that through. But I think this is a good primer in the, the mechanics of, of billing. So thank you very much. Yeah, um, I always appreciate the time and uh, look forward to talking soon.
0: Me too. Take care. Bye bye. If you liked today's podcast and want to hear more, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have a question
1: you'd like to be discussed on a future podcast, send it to luminello.com.
0: We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.